Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Verse 27 in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read verse 27 through 31, and we're going to dive into it. Look behind what happened to them so that we will avoid pitfalls. Verse 27 reads, Then Jesus said to them, Then Jesus said to them. That's really important. We'll talk about the significance of that in just a moment. He said, All of you will be made to stumble. Now they just participated in the Lord's Supper. They were in his presence. Now it's time to go out. And he said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is risen, it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be as self-confidence, that self-assurance, we live in a society that trains us from our youth to have, be self-confident, to be self-assured. That is the antithesis. That's the opposite of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom, our confidence is in God. It's not in our flesh. But let's, let's keep going because there's some lessons to be learned that will prepare us to go out. Verse 30 says, Jesus said to him, so Jesus said something to them. Peter said something to Jesus. My mother would say, boy, don't talk back. So it's like he's talking back to Jesus. Now Jesus speaks again. Jesus said to him, since you got something to say, I said all of you are going to stumble. But since you have something to say, I got a word for you. Jesus said to him, even, no, Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, assuredly I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. The rooster crows twice, and you're gonna deny me three times. That means your rate of denial will be greater than the rooster who wakes us up in the morning. And he's trying to tell him, listen, listen to me, receive my word. See, we don't wanna be like those people who hear, who live on a farm in the South and they hear the rooster and it wakes them up and they think the rooster woke them up. It's God that wakes us up. It's not the crowing of the rooster. Jesus is trying to get Peter to know that you have a very strong opinion and you have a very strong personality, but let me tell you what's going to happen. He says, last verse, but he spoke more vehemently. He spoke more vehemently. If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. We all are prone to be influenced by the person who has this big voice, who has the ability to sway opinions. But if it's not God, beware. There was this person, he was very eloquent, a person who when I was coming up in corporate America, he was one of the most eloquent leaders. He was as short as Napoleon, but when he stood up, 
he had your attention. He was not just smart, he was a great orator. And one day he said in this room where he was developing young leaders, and he said, let me tell you one of the hard lessons I learned. He said, there was a person who in our meetings would never talk, was always quiet. And I had the ability to sway the room in my direction every time, 100% of the time. And so I would speak up and we would leave the room and everyone would follow me. And he said, one day this person, who often, you, didn't, you wouldn't even know he was in the room, who almost never spoke, called me to the side. And he, he said to me, you know, you always have an opinion that is so strong that you kind of bring the room over to your side. And so the person beaming with pride and said, what's wrong with that? I'm the most influential person in the room. My ideas make sense. That's why people follow me. And the person never raised their voice and said these words, but you're not always right. And he said that changed him. He, he was more prone then to listen to the other ideas and bring them together. His charismatic personality made him think that he was right because people followed him. Peter, this same Peter who got a revelation from God and in the next minute, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because you savor the things of men and not of God. It's, what is the point? It is easy for us to get off track. Peter was the chief apostle. He was the one that Jesus trusted with building the church because of the revelation of the truth. And just that quick, not only did he get off track, he caused others to go off track. God is going somewhere with this. But my prayer is that God would deliver us from this. Here's the first thing that God is saying to us that we ought to do new covenant as a body and it's found in Romans 14 and 13 and then we'll dig into Peter a little more and it's on the basis of what happened to Peter and us knowing it could happen to me it could happen to you therefore let us not judge one another anymore Paul is saying this to the Roman church the fact that he used the word anymore means they were doing it. Am I right about it? Can you see that? He's saying to the church, let us not judge one another anymore. And the reason the Spirit of God is ministering this to us is because he wants us to know just as when they went out, he told them, you're going to be, you're going to stumble. And the problem that they had is they didn't receive his word. Peter responded with his own word. The problem is, my word isn't established. Your word isn't established. His word is established. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall stand forever. Not one jot or one tittle of his word will vanish away. It's going to come to pass. And what Peter didn't realize in the moment, if he would have realized it, he would have said, Lord, help me not to stumble. I know your word is true. That's what we ought to do when we hear the word of God. We ought to throw ourselves. We ought to submit ourselves to the word. But he was so self-confident. They said, nah, these other guys, they might, do, but not me. I will die for you. And Jesus lovingly gave him the word. And he didn't know it, but God wants us to know it. He didn't know it but he was rejecting the word of God. He's a chief apostle. Jesus is telling him what's gonna happen. He said, no, that's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. May we never be so spiritual. May we never be so religious that we unknowingly put our word above the word of God. Let every man be a liar, but let God be true. He's, let, 
therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Are you ready to resolve this? Not to put a stumbling block. And what did Jesus warn them of? That you're all going to what? Stumble. Do not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. Why is this instructive? Why is this important, Deacon Johnson? Because when we go out, the enemy sets traps to stumble everywhere. In here, there should be no stumbling blocks. This should be a stumble-free zone. If we're causing each other to stumble here, when we go out into the world, what are we gonna, we're trying to be a witness and we're stumbling. We're staggering at the noonday like a drunk man. The Spirit of God is speaking to, to us today, to all of us, because he's preparing us to go out. Here's the thing about the Word of God that God is teaching me, and it's like sometimes you think you know something, and then when you learn it, you say, I really didn't know that. He did something to Ezekiel and John, the beloved, on the Isle of Patmos. The word of God, a scroll, was given. And in both instances, an angel said, eat the whole loaf. Eat the whole scroll. Meaning, you have to ingest, you have to take in all of the word of God. He said it'll be sweet in your mouth, but bitter in your belly. And your belly, in, in biblical context, represents your innermost being. And God said, you know, you know what that's saying? To you, I'm saying to me. He said, the word of God is sweet when it comes out of your mouth. But when you have to take it in, it's bitter. Do you take the bitter with the sweet? The bitter with the sweet? When God gave Moses instruction to consecrate all the elements, of the, of the temple, the oil, the oil. He told them, you put some cinnamon in, then you put some other things. One was sweet, one was bitter. The consecrated oil had the bitter and the sweet together. God's people cannot only want the sweet and not the bitter because the word of God, the whole loaf has all of it. And the people who have itching ears only want the sweet and they reject the bitter. What Peter didn't know was that he was rejecting the bitter because it felt like an indictment on him. He's like, Lord, I've been riding with you for three years. I'm your ride or die. You can count on me. I can't speak for these other guys, but I'm telling you, I will die for you. He meant it when he said it. He learned a lesson in Gethsemane. Jesus left that conversation as they were going out. You know where they were going? To Gethsemane. And he asked three of them. He had the 12 of them, only 11 by then. 12 at the table, 11 by the time he got to Gethsemane. What is the Lord saying? Everybody's not going to go. Everybody's not going to go. So they were already down one. From the Lord's table, one went to do a deal with the devil because Satan had entered his heart. And he went for 30 pieces of silver. I want to say to you, the 30 pieces of silver is not worth it. Gold and silver is not worth it. You have something that's much more corruptible than gold. Even though gold is tried by fire, your faith is more precious than gold. It is more precious. And you know who said that? Peter. The same Peter who failed. We're going, to get to, we're going to get to some good news. There's some sweet with the bitter. But what God is trying to tell me first and all of his people is that you have to receive the word of God in its fullness because there's something that's sweet that'll come out of your mouth as a witness, as a testimony when you speak truth. But the thing that keeps you, the thing that corrects you, the thing that convicts you is that word that is bitter in your innermost being. That's what cleanses your soul. That's what purifies your soul. The thing that will purify our souls are the things we reject. 
not because we want to reject God. Peter surely wasn't rejecting him. And isn't it interesting, on the resurrection, during those 40 days that Jesus was with them, he walked, took a walk with Peter, and he asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? You remember what happened before I went to the cross. Now I got up with all part. Do you love me? And then he told him how to demonstrate that love. So now Peter's influence has impacted all of them. Jesus, when he said it, how many of them did he say would be caused to stumble? Now, how many of them were saying, I'm not going to stumble? So Peter got the whole known church at the time going in the wrong direction. I have never in all my days, in all my life walking with him, been more clear about what God is saying. Never, never. Doesn't mean that the path won't shine brighter as I go, but in this moment, as I stand before you, I've never been more clear. And Mom Barlow, I've never in my life felt the weight of responsibility that I feel now because of the eternal weight of glory and how important it is for every one of us that we don't fail. God is not interested in programs. He's interested in people. And he loves you and me so much that he only wants the best for us. And he wants us to avoid stumbling, rejecting, even when we think in ourselves that we're standing up for him. And unknowingly, we're rejecting him. God, open our eyes. Deliver us from ourselves. Crucify our flesh. God calls us to die daily so that the life we live in the flesh, it won't be us. It'll be Christ who died for us. I beseech you, God, to do it for your people. Those who you died for and who you love, those who are weak and those who are strong, we can't do this thing without you. We need you. We need you. Let's look a little closer at Peter and the disciples in general. So I want to set this up. There are, when it talks about the disciples, it's talking about the broader group. So when Jesus got up, more than 500 saw him. Those were the known disciples. The 12 started out as disciples, and then he promoted them to apostles. Apostles are the ones who go first into the church. They lay the foundation. Even though in chronology, prophets came first, when you read in Ephesians, it says first the apostles, then prophets. Why is that? Because when Jesus built his church, the foundation was laid by the apostles. And when he prayed his prayer in John 17, he first prayed for the apostles, the disciples, those who were with him in his time. Then he prayed for those who believed on him through their word. So there's a difference between disciples and apostles. All of us are disciples, and then God gives us responsibility. It's not hierarchical. It's not, there's no, as a pastor, you don't get to lord over the flock of God. You have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because there's one leader in the church. There's one king. There's one Lord. There's one shepherd. He's the good shepherd. There might be many pastors around the world, but there's one shepherd. And he'll never sell you out. He'll never sell you out. So as we read, we're first going to read what he said to the disciples, and then we'll see the response of the apostles. And you'll see them taking responsibility. They understand the weight. And even though Peter made a mistake, God wants to encourage us about how when we are in him, he turns it around. He uses everything. And in the end, 
God will be glorified. We just have to know that free will comes with responsibility because I can decide to do whatever I want. I can justify myself and make a decision that is wrong and not come back to him. Free will is powerful, but it comes with responsibility. Let's go to Luke 17 and 1 first. 17 and 1. It reads, then he said to who? The disciples. It's impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It's impossible. Leave that up for a minute. It's impossible. If I stood in front of the church and I said, if you have offended anyone or anyone offended you, raise your hand. And no one raises their hand. Is this word true? He said, it's impossible that there be no offenses. So you know what that means? That means there are people right in here now, and there are people on that live stream right now who are either have been offended or have caused an offense. But Jesus says, whoa, it's impossible that they shouldn't come. See, this is preparing us to go out because there is a fence in the world. It shouldn't be in here, but it's impossible that it won't come. It's what we do with it that matters. See, the problem is not it coming. It's what we do with it and how we respond. Just like temptation is not a sin, yielding to it is the sin. So temptation can come, whatever. If I don't yield to it, it has no effect on me. But if I yield to it, Adam and Eve could see the fruit all day, every day, but when they bit the fruit. Are you with me? Are you getting this? Is the Spirit of God ministering to you personally? He said, woe unto you. Woe unto them whom they do come. Go to Luke 17 and 5. This lets me know that they understood. Now you saw it was the, the disciples who he spoke to. Now who's responding? Because as leaders, they had a responsibility. I hope they learned the lesson, especially Peter, the chief apostle, that when he spoke, he led the whole known church astray. Now he has to figure out, then and the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. They were with Jesus on the ship. When he said, peace be still, they didn't ask to increase their faith. He said to them, oh, ye of little faith. There was a time when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he came down, nine of them had failed. Three of them were up there with him, and they said, Lord, why couldn't we cast this out? He gave them instruction. He said, this kind comes forth by nothing but prayer and fact. But they didn't ask for their face to be increased. But when it comes to forgiveness and offense, they said, Lord, increase my faith. Increase our faith. You don't know, there's some folk out here. Have you met Jimmy? You, you must not know Alice. It's un, you can't live with her. There is no way. You want me to forgive her seven times 70? Lord, increase our faith. It takes faith in order to do this. It's not easy. It's not just you saying it with some false humility. It takes faith. It takes faith to know, I know this person wronged me, but I'm going to go to them. Here's what Jesus said. When you're at the altar and you remember that someone has something against you, you don't have anything against them, that you go to them. Leave your gift on the altar and go to them. I don't want my prayers to be hindered. I want God to hear me when I cry. I want to call on God out of a clean heart, and I know that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. We're preparing to go out. Somebody say, prepare to go out. These apostles recognized that he was asking them to do a hard thing. 
If you think it's easy, you don't understand the weight of it. You don't understand it. And God said to me, you know, there's a difference in the way we are to handle offense outside of the church versus in the church. Outside of the church, he instructs us to follow peace with all people, with all men, for a holiness without no one shall see the Lord. Do you want to see him? No one shall see the Lord. He said, and inasmuch as possible, live peaceably with all. Sometimes it's not possible with an ungodly person. So you don't throw your pearls to the swine. You don't throw what's holy to the dog, but you make an, an effort. But in the body of Christ, we're commanded to resolve it. You can't let that thing linger. He's saying, stop praying. You take care of this. You take care of this. The enemy of our soul uses offense to keep us off one accord because he knows when the church of the living God is on one accord, turns everything upside down. I believe that one of the reasons God did what he did through DeMar Hamlin was so that the whole world would see him. Not through a filter, not to see him. And now their hearts will be more receptive. But what he desires is for people to see his church, the rock that he built truth. And when we go out and when we have the right spirit, it compels people. It is the most compelling witness in the earth when the people of God love one another, when the people of God are on one accord, when the people of God do not quarrel, when the people of God don't backbite, when the people of God walk in the ways of God in the spirit of God, we turn the world upside down. So if I were the enemy of your soul, I would do everything I could to stop that from happening. Because when the church is one, as Jesus prayed, Father, make them one. I and you, you and me, and we and them. So they might be like us. The same one who said, let us make God, make man in our own image is the same one who wants the church to be in his own image. Use the same word that they might be like us. The one who said, let us make man has made us anew through the agency of the church. Let us be on one accord. Let us love with the love of God. Let us speak the truth in love because when we do that, the world will know that God sent Jesus. That's the only way that the world will know that he sent him. Let's go a little bit deeper. I'm going to wrap this up very, very briefly. Let's go a little deeper with Peter. Let's look back on that night. And now it's after the Lord's table. It's after Gethsemane where he fell asleep. And Jesus said, couldn't you pray with me for one hour? He said, you need to watch and pray because the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The same flesh he relied on to talk back to the Lord. Now let's look a little further. Luke 22 and 61, just one verse. I need everybody who knows how to pray to pray in your spirit right now. To pray in your spirit right now. Luke 22 and 61. Would you please put that up? Thank you. I know that wasn't in, in the beginning, but God gave me that. Put that up. Jesus is on the cross. Peter has just heard the cock the, the, the crowing three times. And here's the thing, leave that text up. Not only did he deny him once, twice, or three times, he did something that's subtle, is subtle, that's important for us to catch 
as we go out. There was one young damsel who came to him the second and third time. And she said, you're a Galilean. I know you were with him. And here's what she, she says, sis, your speech testifies against you. When we belong to God, people who don't even know us will know there's something different. There's something different about the way you carry yourself and the way you talk. It's a witness. But now, Peter was more concerned in self-preservation. And sometimes we're more concerned with our reputation, the way it's going to look, the way it's going to sound. And in some way, we do exactly what Peter did. So you know what Peter started to do? We'll look at this in a moment. He started to curse and swear. The Bible wanted to make it clear. He wasn't just saying swear, I swear on a stack of bones. No, he cursed and he swore. He made an oath saying, which that's what swear means. He made an oath, I don't know him. Then he started to curse. And what was he communicating? I'm like you. You know I don't know him. I'm just like you. I, the, the speech that testified against me, I'm going to use other language so that you know I'm like you. When we go out, we don't want the world to think we're like them. The problem with seeker-friendly churches is we're trying to present a package to the world that they'll receive. We need to be people who want God so much that people who need God will desire him. We need to be people who want God so much that people who want God, who need him will desire him and nothing else. T time out for gimmicks and all these other things and you feel like you're at a concert and not in the presence of the Lord. Spirit of God, rain down on us. We need the latter rain. The former rain is not enough. We need to be drenched in the latter rain. So after he cursed and he swore. And after he tried to identify with the very people who are about to crucify his Lord for purposes of self-preservation, look at what the Lord did. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. We could preach just on that. Because repenting is to turn. And Jesus was showing him an example. And you can imagine when the Lord, who's the Lord of all things, humbled himself to someone who had denied him, some who had rejected his word, someone who thought of themselves more highly than they ought to, he turned. How much more are we to turn to those who reject us, who turn us away? And he looked at him. Can you imagine what that did to Peter? The one who hours before Minister Howard was saying, I will die for you. And now when the rubber hits the road, he realized that what Jesus said was true and what he said was a lie. And but then he, he was acquitted by the same one he denied. Then Peter remembered. God, may your people remember. May your people remember how much your eyes are on them. God, may your people remember when they slip that you turn to them, that you don't stop loving them. May your people remember that your eyes are going to and fro in the earth to behold the hearts that are loyal to you. May we remain loyal to you. May we not worry about our own reputations. May we not try to fit in, to get in. God, may we continue to have our gaze on you. May we turn. God calls us to turn. May we turn from offense. May we turn from unforgiveness. May we turn from quarreling. God, may we turn from tearing people down and turn to building people up. God, may we turn from intolerance and turn to patience. May we turn. 
Look upon us, O oh Lord. There are too many who are crying out when they're wrong, saying, Lord, look away. But God, let us see, let us remember that you're looking towards us. You'll never look away from us because we are the apple of your eye. May we remember the word of the Lord. It says, then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. May we remember the word of the Lord when our steps slide. May we remember the word of the Lord when we're about to get angry. May we remember the word of the Lord when we're about to fall into a trap in the snare of the fowler. May we remember the word of the Lord. Lord, loose the bonds, people of God. May we remember his word. May we remember that in the times of trouble, you shall hide us. In the secret place of your pavilion, you shall hide us. May we remember your word. When we have to make a decision, whether small or great, may we remember the word of the Lord. God, when we're about to move in any direction, left or right, east or west, north or south, may we remember the word of the Lord. May we remember. May we remember. I just sense by the Holy Ghost, encourage somebody around you and say, may you remember the word of the Lord. When we're in a tough spot, may we remember the word of the Lord. When we're weak, may we remember the word of the Lord. When we're sick and it looks like we can't get well, may we remember the word of the Lord. When we are forsaken by those who we love, may we remember the word of the Lord. When we are disappointed by those we counted on, may we remember the word of the Lord. When I want to go my own way, when we want to go our own way, when we don't feel like doing what you asked us, what you called us to do, may we remember the word of the Lord. As we prepare to go out in our workplace, may we remember the word of the Lord. In the schoolhouse, may we remember the word of the Lord. When we're at Wawa, ShopRite, Acme, may we remember the word of the Lord. No matter where we go, no matter where we be, may we always remember the word of the Lord. God, will you release us from the things that impact our ability to remember? Would you free your people from a spirit of slumber that comes over them when it's time to read your word? God, they have energy for everything. When it comes to your word, slumber. We rebuke that spirit of slumber. In the name of Jesus, may we be excited to read your word so that we would remember give us an unction to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you prepare us to go out into a dying world so that the people who need you will desire you because they'll see you in us so clearly because God we desire you we desire you more than our necessary food we desire you more than pleasures the pleasures of this world God we desire you we are people who want you
As the deer panteth for the water, so our soul pants after you. Every part of our spirit needs you. May we be cleansed in our flesh and on our spirit of everything that defiles us. God, increase our faith. Increase our faith that we might be able to forgive truly from the heart. Increase our faith. Increase our faith that we might be able to cast aside offenses. If we in your body have been offended, cause us to remember so we can go to the person. God, help us to understand by, the, by your spirit that it's not about right and wrong. It's about righteousness. When Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians because they were suing each other, litigious like we are in America, and he said, what? Why would you not rather be wronged than to take your brother to the unjust judge? Is there not any wise among you who can resolve this? May the wisdom of God be upon you. May swift resolution come wherever you find conflict, whether it be in you or in a brother or a sister. May this day be the day that we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints, that we would snatch some out of the fire, and on others may we have compassion. God, do this. Stand with me for a moment as we close. As we close. I want you to know that the message that I outlined and sent to the team had three questions with a, a biblical response. We'll get to those. But today, the Spirit of God impressed upon me to say what I said. I would that God would make each of us so sensitive to His Spirit that we would know the difference between our plans and His plan, between our word and His word, because Peter, in all sincerity, chose his word above the word of the Lord. May that never befall us. May we always yield to him. May you be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. May you reconcile with your brother or sister while they are in the way. While they are in the way. God does things to raise our awareness to a level that we understand what's important. Like what happened in front of us on the national media. And after we close, I've been called to the bedside of one who's in their last hours. And I have the privilege by request of being able to give comfort and to speak truth and to speak life. But the reason I bring that up is that God has a way of getting our attention and showing us what really matters. We spend our time on things that won't last, that don't matter. And when we are confronted with the fragility of life, we understand the words that Peter wrote in 1 Peter about the salvation, the eternal salvation of our soul. He said, which you have received now, even before it has appeared. We've received it now before it has appeared. Peter, after that day, was a new person. He got to a place 
where there were some sick folk in Jerusalem and they brought him to Peter. If I walk over here, will the camera follow me? They walk to Peter and I'm, I'm walking over a shadow here. And the Bible says, the shadow of Peter, his shadow healed the, his shadow, a denier, a one who esteemed his word above God. That means there's hope for us. God, I pray that you would touch someone in this room that would yield to you so much that as they're walking, may their shadow get longer behind them. And may those who walk in their shadow, in their shadow, be healed. It was you, God, who did it because Peter submitted his way to you. And today we submit our way to you that every part of our being, our innermost being would be submitted to you so that you can use every part of us. We're living in a time of artificial intelligence, AI and avatars and all manner of things that have been done by the cunning and ingenuity of men. And there are avatars, but it's not real. The God you serve can take a part of you, your shadow, your shadow, and manifest how real he is. Can you imagine if you were a person that day, you just went into his shadow, and all of a sudden you could walk. Your tongue was loosed. Your eyes were open. That's the same God who's working today. He said, all I desire is the people who desire me. Not for the things that I could give or for what I do. They could desire me. And when you truly desire me, things will follow you. He said, it's time out for my people following things because that's out of order. But there are some things that are going to follow you, that are going to follow you. And when you submit to my will and my way, I'm going to break out. I've been waiting. The Lord has said, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you. And it looks like you're about to arrive. You're about to arrive. I've been waiting. I've been looking for you. I've been waiting. My eyes have been on you. I've been looking to you, longing for you to remember my words. I'm looking. My eyes are going to and fro, even now. I'm looking for you. May our hearts be laid bare. If there be any fallow ground, break it up now, Lord. Break up the fallow ground and rain righteousness upon us. We're prepared to seek you until you rain righteousness upon us. I hear the Lord saying, there was a season where the former rain would do a light drizzle in order to nourish the fruit to come forth. But he said that season is past. This is a time for the latter rain, for the hard rain to come and drench the soil of your heart. That my children, that my people who are on the vine would produce fruit and that it would remain. Let us pray together, just briefly, as a sign of submission. If you can, would you lift your hands? Father, we submit our very ways to you. We submit our ways to you. And we acknowledge your word because we know it's true. 
The world tells us to follow our heart. But you say the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So God, transplant in us a new heart. Don't let our pride hold us back. Because there are things, just as you've taught me, there are some things that I thought I knew that when you taught me, I knew better. There are levels to this thing. And we want to go to the next level. So together, we stand as one before you. Small and great. Young and old. Black and white. Full of faith and mustard seed faith. All together as one acknowledging that we need you now. Spirit of the living God, when we come together, you're welcome. Break out. May we never come in this place one way and leave the same. May there be transformation whenever your people who are on one accord come together. Make us one. Make us one according to your prayer, Lord. Work on us that we might work for you. We cannot work effective, effectively for you until you work on us. Hear our cry as it were in sackcloth and ashes. Bless us together now that we might be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a hand clap. Give God a praise. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.